Well, I'm excited today to be joined by Pastor Justin and Pastor Jesse. You both work in the department we call Global Project and Kingdom Builders. And many have maybe heard before if they've been to a Generosity Accelerator or they follow what we do in the area of missions. And so in a moment, I'll have you guys share what you do respectively in that department. Both have been on staff for many years, but many my hope for this episode, episode number 97, my hope for this episode is we are a church that believes in missions. We talk about missions all the time. A lot of people don't know where to start when specifically talking about teams. And and I'll have you guys share how many teams we have planned for yeah. next year in 2024 in a moment. But most churches maybe will send a team or a youth team or somebody, and we have a big process in that. And so first, thank you for joining. I know, Justin, you've been on before. Yeah. Jesse, have you yeah. been on before? First time. First time. Welcome. So Thanks. maybe share a little bit about what you do, and then I have a lot of questions that hopefully can be helpful, whether it's a person in the church who is the pastor of the church, they're wanting to send teams, maybe they're a deacon or a lay leader that they maybe are going to become a leader someday. But I hope this is really valuable. But Justin, kick us off. Yeah, Yeah. no, thanks, uh, Pastor Logan. It's an honor to be on and uh, talk about something that uh, personally changed my life. Uh, I remember going on my first uh, missions trip or what we call a global team uh, just when I was 15 years old. And uh, I thought it was just going to be a fun 10-day trip. And uh, little did I know it would change my heart, change my uh, perspective on the world in ways that I could not have anticipated. And uh, and so we see the value of global teams uh, hugely um, at River Valley. We believe in them. I know your dad, uh, when he was 15, went on a trip, and uh, it was there when he got his call to mi ministry. And, and so we believe that those few days uh, can open up eyes, open up hearts in ways that few other things can. So we believe the value of them. Uh, we don't think it's the only thing, but we think it can be a very catalytic thing in people understanding the Great Commission and their role in it. Yeah, and your role in on my role on the team, oh man, seventeen years have had a lot of different roles. I've always said from the beginning, my heart is global. My heart is uh, missions, and so just get to help uh, help lead the missions efforts, whether mm -hmm. that's Kingdom Builders, whether that's Global Project, and over the years brought some people onto the team to really help us go to another level. And uh, Pastor Jesse uh, has helped us do that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, about nine years been on the team at River Valley. So mostly different roles in campus, uh, leadership roles, campus pastor, associate pastor. Uh, about two years ago, came to join a global project, what we call our missions department, and um, seeing the day-to-day -day of that ministry and working with global teams, a lot of what I do, uh, and just helping us do more, uh, go further, go faster. And, uh, so Jesse, how many teams in 2024 are we planning to send from River Valley? Planning 80 teams. 80. Yep. And so we have something that we started called virtual teams. And uh -huh. so what? how many of those are going to be virtual versus in-person? Yeah, about 20 uh, or so are virtual teams. Mm -hmm. uh, and then about 10 of them are domestic sure. teams. And the rest of them are all international. So we would like to see about 50 international teams or more. So Yeah, so we're sending an international team a week plus our domestic teams plus our virtual teams. I want to get to virtual in a moment because there's – I'm sure people are wondering, what is a virtual team? And we'll get there. <laughs> but I want to start at global team. We've, we've used the term global team. Yeah. And again, there's some listening that maybe have a good understanding with what we do in, in missions. But most churches would call it a mission trip. We call it a global team. Pastor Justin, you want to talk about why we use that language and maybe what that helps in our church as well? Yeah, you know, it, it, 
beyond a global team, we call our missions efforts global project. And the reason is, is years ago when I'd survey different people in the church, we have a very non-church background or a Lutheran or Catholic background. And so when we would talk about the term missions, they would talk about a military term or maybe a soup kitchen downtown, or they would even think of maybe what uh, people would do for two years. And uh, I said, that doesn't really embody this great commission responsibility that we have as a follower of Christ. So we just renamed it Global Project. This is our project as a follower of Christ to care about the whole world. If he does, then we should. And, uh, and so it begs the question, well, what's Global Project? And then we can describe what the Great Commission is. And so out of that, instead of calling them missions trips, we think they're actually more valuable than just a trip. There's a team, there's a unity, there's a bond yeah. uh, relationship that happens with a team, just like a sports team. There's a level of commitment to one another and relationship that goes beyond just a trip. And so we think our words, uh, we want to be intentional with our words. We try to create real unity on the team. And uh, some of these teams, uh, and they stay in relationship far beyond the trip. And so we call them global teams. Yeah. And and my goal for this, I want this to be really practical for those that are listening because, yeah. you know, we we could talk about the why a lot, and I'm sure that will interweave itself in here because mm-hmm. some of the reasons we do what we do is because of the why. But again, for those who are listening, my, my hope is that this is practically very helpful, and I hope this can even be shared for churches that are interested or, again, someone who's going on a team or yeah. wants to ch- maybe how can we approach this differently as a church for many churches who don't know where to start. But how many people, you know, we talk about these these teams. Pastor Jesse, if you could talk about what's the ideal, like, team size, and I know there's mm-hmm. some variation, yeah. but then also what does a team look like? How long is it? How much does it typically cost? And there's ranges, I, I, I know, but I think just getting started so we have the right. same common language of what we're talking about. Because some people might say, oh, you're going on a global team. Is that a year? Is that two yeah. years? But talk about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the size makeup is going to be different based on the location, based on um, the purpose of the team and who's leading it and who's hosting it. Um, but uh, we, we try to have a team be 10 or more. Um, and so and some of them we've, we've sent 100 before. Now, that's not the normal team size if you can be in that – um, 12 to 20 spot. It can feel like a sweet spot for mm-hmm. a lot of teams. Um, but we're going to have to, uh, we work with the host to see what's possible. Sometimes we're trying to see if we can do more, but we're working within their framework. And um, and, the, and the demographics of the team are different too. So a family's team, people may be going uh, where they're going as uh, two parents, two kids going together, right. or, a, you know, a dad and a daughter going together. And so there's different, and when that happens, they could, Typically, those teams can be a little bit larger, you know, if we're going to areas that are more creative access to get to. Sometimes those teams are a little smaller. So um, those are, that's about how the teams work out. We have um, um, about 1,100 people this year that have been on a global team by the yeah, year. Wow. The, uh, not quite 1,200. So a lot of people have been through that process. And um, so the cost of the team, too, is uh, we really work to uh, try to – we don't try to make money. We don't try to lose money. So we're trying to – budget uh, as well as we can forecast for what we really think the, the real costs will be. Um, and the, the the teams range, you know, in costs. There's for international teams, which is kind of our, our bread and butter, you know, they may be as low as 2,000. Um, and then we really like to keep them under 4,000. So right. in that between two and 4,000 are where most of them end up. And that can be dependent on flights and ground costs and a lot of those things. And we also build in a offering for our hosts as well. That's very important for us. They're mm-hmm. giving a lot of time. It's a lot of effort on their end to to host a team. And so the more we can be a blessing to them uh, in their time, the, the better off. Mm-hmm. And and most teams are 
a week to are there are yeah, any I would two say, weeks? Yeah, I would say probably from seven days, the shortest ones, maybe that's like a Latin America or something. To, right. uh, it's more likely you get into the 10, 11, sometimes even 12 days. Mm-hmm. But in that, I would say around 10 days is kind of that sweet spot. You know, you get kind of a two, two and a half days of travel and a full week on the ground. That can mm-hmm. be a great, uh, great setup. So I want to focus on the actual team itself. And then after that, I want us to to work backwards to the people that make that happen. Obviously, there's administration and all that stuff. But when you're actually leading a team, this is something that we have. I mean, again, when you do this every single week, you start to learn the do's and don'ts. And I've led, I think, nine global teams, maybe 10 global teams all around the world and been on more than that. But talk about what what are the distinguishing factors? We've all been on teams that are great teams, and we've all been on teams where we felt, oh, that was missing <laughs> something. I wish that it would have been... I felt like there could have been more there. Maybe if you just want to talk about what are some of those distinguishing factors that we've started to see that if you do this on a team or is it location, is it leader? I mean, again, there's all the above, but there's there's definitely best practices that we've noticed from, you know, it's crazy to think in the last decade sending, you know, hundreds of teams, which is crazy to think about. So whatever comes to mind that that you think would be most helpful. Yeah, I'll just uh, say a note about what Jesse was just talking about, the the cost of a trip. Some people might wonder, is, is it worth it? And if that's the end of it all, then maybe it would be better to save the money and just give it away. But we don't see that as the end. We see that as the beginning, as a catalytic way to open people's heart, deepen people's understanding of how they can make a difference uh, globally. And so, uh, yeah, you, you want to you want to make sure that the investment is a good investment. And so we have learned some things along the way. And I would say probably two of the biggest factors uh, is a really good leader and a really good host. And uh, that may sound obvious, but in in terms of a good leader, um, I want to say this carefully, there are people with great titles but um, and they're good at their craft perhaps, but they're not the type of person that people want to hang out with for 10 days nonstop, 24 hours a day. So we're actually looking for people that have a following of people, kind of an influencer. I know that's an overused word, but somebody that when they go, other people get excited because they just want to spend time being around that person and they create a team unity. Um, So finding influential leaders uh, that are going to bring pockets of people along the journey is is one of the keys to a great uh, team. And we let let people who are not staff members lead oh, teams. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're some of our best leaders. They're, they're super invested in it. Um, we, we just have the, the honor and privilege of getting to send a lot of our pastors and leaders and our senior leaders, our deacons, our elders. Uh, but we have a lot of volunteers as well that um, they've gone on lots of teams and they've proven themselves uh, to be faithful and trustworthy. And so they're leading teams now and uh, they, they fill up very fast and get great reviews. By the way, we, we do survey every single team. Uh, every uh, We survey the leader, we survey the host. So that gives us good feedback. It's not to be critical of leaders or critical of hosts. It's helped to coach them to get better. And what could we do differently uh, to get better? Um, and then the, the second component besides a, a great leader uh, is a great host. And we work primarily with missionaries that live in context that know the culture, know the language, know how to utilize a team, whether it's a medical team, whether it's a evangelistic team, whether it's a building team. We have all kinds of different types of teams, uh, but a missionary that knows how to utilize people's volunteer uh, time is key. 
Um, we never go without an invitation from a host missionary or host organization. Uh, we, we do not think we know enough to do that without somebody that really knows the context, mm-hmm. knows the culture, knows how to utilize volunteers. Well, and, and that's something, too, that I initially didn't recognize that people who are doing this, most of the people in our church are taking vacation time. They're obviously raising money. And one of the things that you both have taught me and all of our other leaders is have have people raise money, but we actually don't do like the bake sales in the lobby or things like that. We do have a scale that I think is has to be, you know, considered. But we have a thousand plus people that are going on a global team. If they're always trying to fundraise, it's gonna be crazy. But they actually do this on our own on their own, sending letters to people. You know, we've always said pray for half to come in from donations and then be prepared to bring half on your own. I've I've kind of said a third, a third, a third, and talked about do a third on your own, do a third that you raise from other people, and then trust God for the final third. Like, what's he going to uh-huh. do? That's good. But when people do this, I think because, and, and again, this is my own, like, I lead teams all the time. I was surprised that people want to work. They want to evangelize. Like, that's why they're there. And so right. I would just, for the person that's maybe wondering about a team is, ah, like how much of the vacation-y stuff do I need? I've seen that be true, and maybe you have as well. But people want to do stuff. They want to be busy. They want to, sometimes they're even frustrated with, I want to do more. Right. And that's maybe even the tension to, okay, sometimes there's different areas we go to, and this is lends into the name Global Team, that you can't really do the VBS program in a, a predominantly Muslim country that is limited access. You mentioned the mm-hmm. creativity. You can't do a VBS program, but you yeah. can do a prayer walk and you can go meet people and do coffee shops and it's not going to look the same. And so, there, but there are, again, principles that work throughout the teams. But Jesse, I, I interrupted you on things that you've learned maybe in leading teams or anything related to what I was just talking about. Yeah, I think it's it's terrific. I mean, you when you're working with, uh, these hosts, they're, they've given their life and their calling to something long-term that we're going to encourage and support. And so the team, we have to make sure our teams aren't getting ahead of the work they're doing, that we're a support of the work they're doing, but that we're also willing to do what is needed. And right. it's it, you, may have, you may have an expectation in one hand, but you, you can't let your expectations dictate what the team mm-hmm. looks like. And so uh, working with those hosts, we want to make sure we're fueling the work that they're doing. And that's a great partnership with the leaders, with the hosts, and some teams you work, some teams are more about what you do with your hands. Uh, and a lot of our teams are about what God is doing in your heart. And, right. and some of them it's experiencing, you know, when you're walking down the street in a city of 10 million people and no one you pass knows the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's no Christian they can go to. There's no church they can, they can walk into. That's, that's, an, that's an exercise of God expanding your heart and to see his work and the need for the church to be planted. Yeah. And sometimes you're watering the church and you're going somewhere where it's like we are going to invest our hands and our energy and we're putting sweat equity into nurturing and partnering with an existing church somewhere. And so all of them can have value. You just have to know what's the purpose and how are you supporting the work that's already happening long term. Right. Well, you just said it's so good. I don't want people to miss it. I think those two, two things and then there's kind of the third obvious one experiencing a culture that you've never experienced is powerful. Mm-hmm. Doing it in a context that is not the touristy version, <laughs> I think is oftentimes most powerful. Very rarely are we staying at incredibly nice, but we're also not staying and slumming it just to slum it. But we're trying to go where the people actually are in that, that right. nation. 
What I find interesting, and, and I talked with Paul Herkman a few episodes ago about this, short-term missions and just being critical of missions in general. There's the, um, the episode was called Avoiding like the Savior Complex, right? And what's interesting to me is that often the people who criticize many Western Christians of their lack of cultural intelligence also criticize short-term missions. Well, how, how else are you supposed to grow in your cultural intelligence if you don't go and experience the world? And so right. I think it's ironic. And again, of course, Babe Ruth's the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats, right? <laughs> but I, I think it's it's such a value for people in our church to experience. I mean, it, for us, we're in Minneapolis area. It's upper middle class. Predominantly, people have, you know, relatively good living. You know, our education rates are high. Life in general, aside from winters, is pretty good. <laughs> but getting people out and seeing yeah. it. And, and the last one that I said was obvious was maybe they're called to go. Yeah. And Justin, maybe you want to talk about kind of how unashamed many of our partners are, but even how we are to say, oh. when you come back from a global team, we send them an email and, and maybe you can talk about that email. But also... We want them to take action. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you raise a great point that, you know, there's a book, a very famous book talking about when helping hurts. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of really fantastic principles in that book. But I, what I think an unintended consequence of a book like that can have is it paralyzes people because they're like, I don't want to hurt. Right, right. I don't want to cause more damage to an, a place that's already got a lot of challenges. And I appreciate that. But not doing anything right. is not going to help. Um, so I think we have to be wise. We have to be able to contextualize it. And that's where linking arms with long-term missionaries uh, is key. And, and that is our heart that as people go, they would either learn their role in the Great Commission crystal clear. And I'm supposed to be uh, a more generous funder. I'm supposed to be an advocate mm -hmm. to bring more attention to an area where maybe there is no gospel uh, access right now. And, and so just need to share stories or themselves saying, Lord, here am I, send me. We have a church goal of raising up and sending out 500 missionaries. And a number of years ago, I surveyed our missionaries, uh, not just our missionaries, but uh, the generally supported missionaries. And over 75% of them uh, attribute their experience on a short-term trip connected to their call. Wow. That it, it made it personal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you hear it secondhand from somebody else, that's a cool story. But when it becomes personal, it becomes your story, everything changes. Every parent knows this is true. You can right. watch somebody else's kid, and there's a limit to that. But when you have your own kids, there's no limit. Mm -hmm. You'll do anything for your kids. And I think the same thing with the Great Commission. When you go, and it's no longer a statistic, but it's a name, it's a face, it's something that's really gotten deep into your heart, there's nothing you're not willing to do for the Lord mm -hmm. uh, when it when it gets deep into your heart. And so we've seen that happen through these global teams. And in fact, uh, I've shared these at the generosity accelerators that we've had the opportunity to go and do. But we surveyed our church after people came back from global teams and their generosity spikes. Mm -hmm. In other words, they reorient their giving. And I think it's an important thing for pastors to realize that if you have a mechanism through the local church to give above and beyond the tithe, when they go on a global team or a mission trip and they come back and there's a trusted avenue through the local church, like Kingdom Builders or something, right. you can see exponential growth because now it's not just pastor's story or it's not just the missionary story. It's their story. Right. And, uh, and that changes everything. And so, yeah, I was just on a, a global team and we went into 
this is a, a Muslim country and went to a kids program where all the kids in this community, all the Christian kids come because they don't have like a, a Christian daycare or Christian yeah. school. And she gave us a tour around and said to our entire team, you funded this through Kingdom wow. Builders. And now there's people that realize, oh my goodness, this is what my Kingdom Builders went to. And right. then if they're not giving to Kingdom Builders, they go, maybe this is a worthy investment. Now, we don't send people on global teams just so that we can get more money from them. That's right. not what, what it is. But what we do is we want to disciple people. The other thing that I think people miss is this is an opportunity for eight to 20-ish on average people to go and spend seven days or more with a pastor or a key leader or a yeah. deacon in your church. I want to talk about discipleship. It's hard to get them to show up more than once or twice on a weekend. Now they're with you seven days in a row. What can God do in their life in that period of time? And we see time and time again. Just this last weekend, someone on, on that was on my gold team, he got baptized and we're messaging as a team, talking, oh my goodness, we're so thrilled for you. You got baptized. What an amazing accomplishment. So for those who are maybe saying, I don't know if missions is for me. No, it's discipleship. Yeah. It's the Great Commission. It's all of that. We mentioned this earlier, and I, I, I promise we get to it. Virtual teams, Jesse. Mm -hmm. That was something during COVID, we kind of were like, we have all these you know, mission staff, we have all these people who have a global heart, eh, let's give it a shot and uh, maybe we'll do a Zoom call with a missionary. Talk about how that's grown. Yeah, it, something that started as an experiment, I mean, it was um, early in 2020 that we first started and tried piloting a, a virtual team and after a team that you want to go and then cancel and reschedule and you keep canceling it and you know it this as things were prolonged it was we don't want to wait to have time with our missionaries and that's the greatest part of of any global team most people would say is the time they got to encourage and be encouraged by a missionary mm -hmm. there's that there's that time is so valuable especially seeing them in context and so um creating these virtual teams that over time have morphed a little bit but uh two or three days in the morning or the evening and uh, and and being able to, um, you actually conversationally, you almost get more time than you do as an in-person team. So there's the gaps of not being able to experience it firsthand. Uh, that's a reality. But the the relationship and connection in some ways can be even greater. And now because we did, you do one, you do two, and then you see there's an appetite. We've we've done for three years in a row about two two virtual teams a month because wow. we just find that. People are joining. They mm -hmm. want to join it. They want to see it. And so, and it's allowed us a lot of opportunity, both as trying to train leaders, trying to help uh, mm -hmm. coach them, teach them how do you invite people in? How do you manage a team? How are you? Uh, it's a way for us to connect with hosts at a different level. Uh, it just provides tremendous opportunity to stay connected. Uh, and for people who that maybe that first step of going uh, internationally, maybe if they feel that step is too much, you go on a virtual team and it's like, well, I understand this better. Right. Because the whole point is, how are you going to care about something if you haven't yet experienced it? And so how do you help break that down so that you can experience something? Well, now you care to a greater degree. Right. Well, now you want to you want to take further steps into it. So walk us through, if someone signs up to go on a virtual global team, let's you know fast forward to the day of the, the team. What does that experience look like for them over those next couple of days? Yeah, yeah. So we... So they, everyone gets an experience bag. So, um, so it's the physical bag that we still give, and it's it's the idea is that there's a 
there's a smell, there's something you can touch, there's something you can see. And so there's, you're trying to bring some of the senses together. Um, so we just uh, led one in Japan. So we're working with some hosts in Japan and you're, you're getting a, you take the subway everywhere. So you have a metro ticket in there and there's mm -hmm. green tea and then there's like strange candy that for us would be kind of strange there. So you, you put these things together and, you, and, and you're gonna have maybe, uh, maybe a two hour window where for four days, either 6.30 in the morning or 6.30 at night, uh, you're going to join this Zoom call. A leader is going to set aside a time at the beginning. They're going to, um, maybe you're going to share, you're going to try to prep people's hearts and get everyone un unified and on the same page. And uh, a missionary host will join, uh, spend about an hour. They're going to tell their story. They're going to share uh, calling, how they ended up on the field, what ministry looks like for them. And people are fascinated by it. Sometimes they're like, this is my home. I'm going to show you what this is virtually what my home looks like, or this is what it looks like when I walk from where I work to, you know, to where I shop to where I meet people. And so you're gonna, uh, you're able to see those things. You're hearing their stories, their testimonies, and sometimes they're able to bring someone. They're discipling. I've had a virtual team where they brought someone that's newly in a in a Muslim majority context, mm -hmm. a brand new believer that you're able to ask some questions of, and uh, and then you and then then you have time as just a team again, maybe a half hour again where. You debrief things. You're sharing what God has been doing, and uh, and you have that time together, and you come on to the next either the next morning or next evening, and uh, and you go and do it again. Yeah, so. I've I've I was telling Justin earlier this morning that I was talking to someone, and he said I'm going on a global team. I said, Oh, which one? And he said, Oh, virtual global team, this country. And I, I just thought it was so interesting how the phrasing that he used, like I'm going, yeah. like I'm doing this, and obviously. We want people to experience an in-person global team. I think there is something different about that. But I think, th and this is something that a lot of churches are, I think, trying to figure out, even for us, with, with online church, whatever it is, if we only put out the the most, I would say, the, the most extravagant and high bar option for people, and then wonder why maybe we're not having that happen to the to the degree we would like, there's a lot of steps along the way, right? right. To say, right. we want you to raise $4,000. For many people in our church, that's a lot of money that yeah, they say, absolutely. that's a sacrifice. And then mm -hmm. you say, oh, and by the way, take your PTO, your really valuable mm -hmm. vacation time, yeah. and use that instead of for your family to go to Disney World, use that money and that time to go to a country you've never even heard and of. And find childcare and the right, whole deal. Right, right, and everything. It's such well, a big I, commitment. I'll give you a testimony. Uh, the first global team or virtual team that we did, my wife and I piloted it, and we got to the end of it, and there was about 30 people, and we went to a restricted country, a country that most people would never step into, never even be able to step into. And at the end, I said, I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. I don't want to replicate this if it's a bad idea. So give us honest feedback. And the first lady that spoke up said, I've been on 13 missions trips in my life, not all with River Valley, but pre-River Valley, part with River Valley. And, uh, and she said, this was the best missions experience I've ever had. And I said, well, that's, that's a very nice compliment, <laughs> but explain it to me. And she explained something that uh, Pastor Jesse uh, noted on. She said, I've never had nine hours of conversation with a missionary, but for nine hours, I better understood the culture. I better understood their call and how God was faithful along their journey. I've never understood how to contextualize the gospel in a place where it's actually illegal to right. present the gospel. How do you even do that? What does that look like? What are the steps you take? And so she said, I walked away from that. And, and she was kind of humorous because she was like, man, every roommate I get snores or every roommate, you know. So she's like, there's elements of an actual in-person team that you don't have to deal with. Now, we really still want people to go. Right. 
But we think virtual teams are a great way to supplement and actually spur people on to going. And we've actually started to see it as a feeder into in-person teams where people right. will go on a virtual team and then say, let's all go together mm-hmm. on an actual like in-person physical international team. And so I think it's just something that we tried during COVID that had way more value and potential than we gave it credit. And so we just keep it rolling yeah. and uh, it's it's making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's I hear about it all the time on mm-hmm. weekends. And obviously the, the registrations speak to that, to people keep signing up year after year, they keep doing this. And, you know, our in-person teams, I, I don't know that there's another church that sends as many in-person teams or international ones around the world. And I hope that that people listening to this, obviously we didn't answer every question. I want to mm-hmm. give you guys maybe a last thought of what, if there's anything else you'd recommend, I'll, I'll give mine in a moment. But for people that say, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that my church could send a team. It started with one, I remember maybe you tell the story of what Pastor Rob shared with you while we were on, it was my first global team to to China, but you were working for a separate organization and he had a vision and he shared it with you. Yeah. The first time I met your dad really got connected uh, to him was we were overseas on a trip. Uh, The organization I was working for helped coordinate the trip. And I just heard his heart for the world, wanting to raise up and send out. And he said, one day we're going to have teams crisscrossing the world. Maybe we'll send a half a dozen teams a year. <laughs> and now we send a half a dozen teams a month. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it. I mean, it was in your dad's heart. And I think if it's in the heart of a, a lead pastor or a church, uh, we have so many tools that we would give away freely and have given yeah. away freely. We can help you scale it. Um, I think the the key thing that I would say is design one and then replicate that. What's that, what's that process going to look like for the goer? What's that process going to look like for the leader? What's that process going to look like for the host? Get that down and then just scale it and replicate it. And I think people don't make it easy enough. People will say to me all the time, like, we have a hard time sending one trip or two trips. I said, well, think about the factors that have to line for somebody to go on one trip. The dates have to work. The cost has to work. They have to actually kind of like the team leader. They have to be uh, amenable to the, the, the task or the responsibility of that team. But if you have 10 different trips, you have 10 different price points. 10 different recruiters or team leaders. You have 10 different dates. And so, yeah, it's more work on the church side, but if you can scale it and figure that out and how to fund that, um, which we have that whole funding model, but if if you can figure that out, you're actually making it more accessible, whether it's virtual, in-person, for people to go and find their place in the Great Commission. And so it's worth it. Yeah, that's so good. That's My my tip, and Jesse, if you want to end with your kind of final, final tip here, my tip is sharing testimonies on a team. That oh, so good. It's, it's the devotional time, yeah. testimony time. During yeah. during devotions. And I'm not talking about, I mean, if you can hear testimonies from believers in that country, right. we just heard one and it was incredible. But if the team, having them share their testimony, and at our team meetings, yes. we do three team meetings leading up to the team where we talk kind of the first one is meeting each other, you know, getting the basics down, second one, diving in a little bit deeper, and then third one, last minute details, here's what we need to know. But in those team meetings, I would say, be prepared in country to share your testimony. It's powerful. And and many people have never shared their testimony in front of others before. So now they're doing this in a foreign country or in another city in America, and they're sharing their story with someone. And then they're actually thinking about, oh my goodness, that's my story. 
there's other people out here that need this story as well. And then you bond as a team and that weird person on the team that you're going, oh my goodness, they're, they're just, them. yeah, they're totally, they're, they need extra attention. And then you hear their story and you go, oh my goodness, I had no idea that that's what you yeah. walk through. And you bond together in these yes. lifelong friendships of people Absolutely. who go on teams. So that would be my pro tip to anyone leading a short-term so team is have everyone share their testimony during either morning or evening devos before the day is over. Jesse, what's final, final tip? Man, for short term, give teams. me the final, final tip. That's a big deal. Um, I think to remove barriers, to make things, to remove as many barriers to make it as easy as possible, while at the same time leaning into have bold faith that stretches you and challenges you. Mm -hmm. And so, whether that's how you set up our team. So, for us having virtual teams and teams that when we say the country names, they're scary to people, or they, yeah. we're not trying to scare them, we're trying to show that we want to make it as easy as possible to remove barriers, to help people on a journey, but don't stay there. Mm -hmm. Know that there's more uh, and that we're, we're called to take bold steps. We're called yep. to stretch our faith and to be challenged. And, um, and if we're going to be bold and humble at the same time, that's a, it's a winning combination. Love it. Love it. Well, we scratched the surface, but I, I hope we did cover a lot. So I hope it's helpful for people. They can email network at rivervalley.org. We can get them connected with you all. Obviously, we want to be a resource. So if there's people listening that say, hey, my church, do you have resources in this area? Do you have resources for that? We want to be a resource as a network and help them. I know you've done that multiple times with churches all over the world, helping them in that area. And so hopefully this can be that for people. And maybe we'll talk further about, there's other things we can talk about, sending missionaries, raising money for so kingdom fun. builders. We do a lot of that at Generosity Accelerator. So look out for the calendar next year to join us on one of those. But Justin and Jesse, thank you so much for your time today. I know it's helped a lot of people and hopefully that means more teams will go out so we can send more missionaries and obviously see people called in the Great Commission. Love it. Thanks, Logan. That's great.